everyone. Hi. Before we get into the actual talk, I've just got to say thank you because we, went, we visited the restaurant on Thursday night, Wednesday night. Can't remember, um, time is difficult. Amazing, absolutely phenomenal food. If you haven't been, you have to go. It's just amazing. Thank so you. thank you. You have a very interesting life in general, especially your life in food. Can you explain a little bit to us about who you are and how you came to the food world in the first place? Um, in the most roundabout way kind of possible. <laughs> I'm not a trained uh, chef, although I do have a problem when people ask if I'm self-taught because, mm -hmm. you know, no, I'm not. I'm not, I have not sort of, I didn't, sit under the Bodhi tree and sort of came into this enlightenment about Thai food all on my own, like the Buddha. But I learned from people who cooked for me. I learned from um, books, from you know watching how people cook and eat, and having grown up in the culture. But I'm not a professionally trained chef. I don't really. Um, when I first opened the restaurant, I don't even, I sort of like, oh, I make a point of like, well, I don't really call myself chef. But then, you know, when you sort of listen to um, Trish talk earlier about sort of this feminism and kind of co-opting um, co terms that you may not be that comfortable with, I'm, you know, when people ask me today, I was like, you know, it, I'm the chef owner of Ginkao because the food is mine, the whole concept is mine, I develop the recipes, I don't cook for you in the kitchen, but no other chef at you know, any other Michelin or not Michelin star restaurants do either. They you know, stand around at the pass and tell people to make stuff and sort of be that um, air traffic controller almost <laughs> in the kitchen, which is sometimes what I do sometimes too. So. Um, and I sort of came into Thai restaurant also kind of, um, I don't, I, I guess it's kind of been in the back of my mind a long time about cooking Thai food and um, because when you look around, it was almost like you see the world full of Starbucks. And it's just everyone eating the same or drinking frappuccino and having all these things sort of and thinking they're all that's what all coffee is all about. Mm -hmm. That's what people think of Thai food today, right? Because you walk into a Thai restaurant, you can pretty much um, you pretty much know what you're going to get. You have this expectation that I can pick the color of my curry, pick a protein, and then tell them how spicy I want it, right? And that's mm -hmm. what people think of as a Thai restaurant. Um, and I'm kind of, I, that's not all Thai food is all, that's not, um, you know, that menu with the Pad Thai and Pad Siu and those kind of choose the color of your curry um, is not really what all Thai food has to offer. Mm -hmm. So I sort of have been waiting for someone to open a Thai restaurant I want to eat in and nobody did, so I did. Mm. <laughs> Uh, we deal with this in coffee all the time, that people have very specific expectations about what coffee is mm -hmm. when they come into shops. And I think that we've had differing opinions. Sometimes we feel like, okay, we should just give customers what they want. We should make people happy. And other times we think like, you know, we really want people to appreciate what we love about coffee. So kind of how have you navigated that in your restaurant, like giving people what you love about Thai food, other things that you felt like I can't, mess with this, I, I can't, this is too much for customers, or like where have you pushed the envelope? Um, I think 
I think for me, when, when I opened Ginkao, it was a small kind of, you know, you've seen, it's not the prettiest restaurant you've ever been to. It's probably not in the nicest location either. I'm sure we're the only Michelin star restaurant in probably the entire world who has this homeless woman occasionally come in and take her clothes off. <laughs> we actually know her by name. Um, because we're not in you know, the best locations, we kind of just open it on a shoestring budget. And I just had this thought that you know, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it. I know San Francisco, I've lived in this town a long time. I've cooked for a lot of people. I think you know, I, I was confident in, mm -hmm. in what I was putting out there. And I was just gonna go for it. So I opened a Thai restaurant without Pad Thai. That was definitely, it was like, you know, we're gonna write the menu and we're just gonna cook stuff that maybe people don't recognize. Mm -hmm. And and it's been it's been interesting. It's been occasionally amusing because if you look at me, you might not think I'm white, but <laughs> so many people think I'm white. <laughs> because I seem to be cooking Thai food for white people, and I'm like, no, I'm just cooking for me. <laughs> so, Have you come up against conflicts from people coming in and expecting Pad Thai to be on the menu? And, 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 and how does that portray itself? And I'm thinking from the coffee shop perspective that people often come in and like, I want a big milk drink, okay. I want sugar. And, often it's met with aggression and it's, and it's met with like anger. Has, has that come across in the restaurants? Um, yes. When we first opened, people would just pick up the phone and start like rattling orders. And we're like, um, we don't do delivery and we don't do takeout either. And they're like, what kind of Thai restaurant are you? You don't do takeout? Are you crazy? And we're like, no, we don't do takeout. We are busy enough serving people sitting in the restaurant. And yes, we do occasionally have we, and we still do to this day. It's more so when we first open, we would have guests coming in, we seat them at the table, and then we drop the menu so you know that that table is occupied. And all of a sudden, you look back, and this is like a ghost table with some water poured in glasses and menus on the plates, and there are no guests because they've gotten up because they didn't recognize anything on the menu. Um, and that still happens like to this day. I can probably, like maybe two weeks ago, I was in the restaurant and somebody walked off because there was nothing that they recognized. And it's also kind of a, um, a balance that we have to talk to our staff very well about sort of, you know, there's this balance between when you have people who come in and so aggressively saying, I want Pad Thai and I want the green curry, but I don't eat bunnies, so can you put tofu in it instead? And be very aggressive about it. There's certain, percentage of those people we're never going to make happy, right? They're just gonna come in and that's the food they want. And we might as well just very politely explain to them that we don't do this. And there, you know, another Thai restaurant across the street, there's two more down this way. There's like 2,000 of them all over San, Fr San Francisco where you can get that menu. And we don't make that. And there's a sort of delicate balance and you really have to strike being very politely telling them to just get the hell out of here. <laughs> but not really, but I mean, like, you know, we, we probably won't make you happy. We don't, we don't cook those food. But there's also, you know, you can kind of take that opportunity and turn it over its head and like talk about, look, you can get that kind of Thai food 
everywhere. Here, we try to do something different, and then we talk about how we approach our um, cooking. We do everything from scratch. We make curry paste from scratch. We make, you know, if we serve something for you in a sauce, we made that sauce. If we, um, there's something as a base of a soup, we've made everything. We don't buy pre-made sauces. We don't buy pre-made curry paste. And, you know, this morning I woke up and went to the farmer's market and picked up like two um, cart full of stuff for Kin Kao and drop it off before I went home and got pretty up come talk to you guys. So um, that's our approach. And a lot of times you can really turn people on, you know, you can like, you know, we, we have these things and um, you might want to try them. And, you know, we here are quite good. <laughs> we, you know, do, do, you have, do you have to train the staff in a particular... Uh, so my experience of coming into Kim Cow was I knew I was going to get something different because I'd already been tipped off a little bit, but I looked at the menu and I was petrified because I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to choose this. Like, I really need somebody to help me. And luckily, the server kind of guided us through. Now, was that luck that we got a good server or is that something you actively work on with the staff to let them present your ideas and thoughts to the customers as they come in? That's something that we talk about almost every day at Lineup. It was something that we talked about yesterday because we, like, you know, we read our reviews online. Everybody said they hate Yelp, but everybody read Yelp. I look mm -hmm. at Yelp once in a while. And occasionally when you start to see people sounding that sort of fear, like, oh, we're kind of scared by the menu, and we got a little bit lost, then we're like, oh, maybe our staff is getting a little bit too fast or something, maybe it's time that we need to sort of slow down, and let's talk about being compassionate with our guests, you know? People really will come in and look at the menu and go, holy crap, I don't understand a word that's on this thing. But a few things that are, are kind of on our side, because when you come in a restaurant, you're already immersed in the experience, right? There's food flying by you, you can smell it. Um, and when you see other people having a good time and enjoying their food, even though it's something that you may not have seen before, you're kind of like, oh yeah, maybe I might want to try this. And you know, a lot of times it's really funny when we talk to these new guests who like don't know what they're doing and get a little petrified, very often I get help from people like on t at tables next to them, you know, they're like, the food's really good, or oh, we're here all the time, and I'm like, oh, I could kiss you guys. But that happens a lot. So it, and, but also another thing is, we think our staff is really important. I'm sure, I mean, you guys know too, it doesn't matter how, you know, how good your sourcing of coffee is, or roasting, or you know, how nice your cafe look. The last line of business is the guy who pulled or you know the espresso for me or the one who did that pour over for me, and it's the same thing in in Thai restaurant. It's you know that get the you know our servers who did the first kind of talking to the guests, making them comfortable, and then helping them navigate the menu and order um, something that they've never had before, but with some knowledge that it's going to be something they enjoy. And luckily, because we're busy and we're, you know, we try to be nice to our employees most of the time. <laughs> so people do stay a long time. Like, probably, I don't think we've hired a new server for maybe the last year and a half or two years, which is like in the restaurant business, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. We've been, right now, it's almost like, you know, I don't care what your resume look like, but if you want a job at Kin Kao, you start as a food runner because everybody works up. From, um, from being a food runner. So we've kept our people a long time. 
and they understand the menu very well, and that's how they could really help you. Mm-hmm. Has the Michelin star helped the customers coming in to change their expectations of what they're, what they're coming into from when you first opened and, you know, it was a Thai restaurant? It's, I think it both kind of helped and hurt. Um, you know, also like if you just kind of Google us and read our random review, so many times you'll see people going, well, this is good, but I don't think it's Michelin star good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but what does that mean? What does that even mean, right? I don't know what Michelin star good is because frankly, I have no idea what got us a Michelin star. I mean, I think the food is good, but specifically what it is or what dish or, you know, what wine or whatever, or what we do, that sort of, you know, I have no idea. It's some random judge who sort of, or uh, yeah, somebody who just come in and grade us and then you never know, right? So I try not to think about that very much. I do think that it, it does sort of, because in a kind of world full of loads of coffee shops and if you're in a new town and you've heard the name of that one before, you're gonna give them a try first, right? It's gonna get, it's gonna get people coming into the, the door for the first time, but it's not gonna get them back the second time if your coffee sucks or you know, if my food sucks. So for us, I think it helped in that way, but it also hurt in sort of like, it sets up people's expectations in a very strange way, because people think of Michelin and think of like maybe white tablecloth and sort of very quiet, and Gin is not quiet. <laughs> I mean, we're a small restaurant and we're busy, and we're you know not the highest ceiling ever, and so it's loud. and. It's cramped and it's busy, and but I hope you have fun when you're eating it. Tell us a little bit more about the restaurant, like what it's like and, and what things are uniquely you about it and sort of your background and the things that you love, either about food or about the atmosphere. Um, for me, it's this whole sort of notion of Thai food being something as worthy of effort as French cuisine. You know, because it is, there's that sort of, well, you know, it's ethnic food, it has to be cheap, the ingredients has to be cheap. How dare you charge $35 for a bowl of that green curry that was just in that last picture. But in that green curry, you get exactly the same rabbit from Devil's Gulch Ranch that you would get at a restaurant called Saison. Has anyone been to Saison in San Francisco, that three Michelin star? How much did you spend? Yeah, I had, right? That's probably because you didn't drink very good wine either. <laughs> because if you did, it would be like a thousand ahead, I would say. Um, sorry, didn't mean to diss you. <laughs> I mean, you didn't quite splurge on wine. You drank good wine, I'm sure. But, um, but you basically get the same rabbit from that same farm that we've been buying since we opened. So for me, my approach to Thai food starts with ingredients. I go to the farm, I've been going to the farmer's market, the Ferry Plaza farmer's market, since I moved to San Francisco in 1998. Back then, it wasn't even at the farmer's market. It wasn't even at the Ferry building. It was on this like parking lot on Green Street. Does anyone live in San Francisco that long? And then it moved from Green Street over to the Ferry Plaza. So that's the ingredients I use. That's the ingredients I eat every day. I'm not going to then open a restaurant and then use 
ingredients I buy frozen from you know China or Vietnam or something. So um, that is my approach. Mm-hmm. Is just the food can really you know you can really pay respect to it. I'm not. That's another thing that people say. Oh, ginkgo is um, sort of revolutionizing Thai cuisine. Or um, no, what did they say? Something like. Um, elevating Thai cuisine, and I'm like, I'm not doing any elevating of anything. I'm doing it justice. I'm cooking it with the same respect and with the same ingredients that you would do to cuisines that people put a little bit sort of like higher value to. Thai coffee is iced coffee with sweetened condensed milk, mm-hmm. and how do is that I see that on menus of Thai restaurants all the time. Is that something that uh, people generally drink with Thai food all types of day, or where do we get Thai coffee from? Um, well, I get mine from Wrecking Ball, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not technically the 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 thing with Thai coffee and Thai tea is really interesting because it definitely doesn't start with great ingredients. in In Thailand, mm. coffee today is still. I mean, a lot there's these third waves now, thank you, uh, sorry Trish, <laughs> but there's these um, younger kind of more artisanal um, roaster and coffee that you can get in Bangkok now, but in most places it's still when you order coffee you get Nescafe that you know they stir into um, hot, wa- hot mm-hmm. water, that's the, you know, that's the coffee I grew up sort of thinking of as coffee because that's the coffee my dad drank and that's quite, you know, upper class like posh thing to do because that's you know Nescafe is imported and all of that but it's still that so Thai coffee is made with not the greatest ingredients but condensed milk fixes anything like QPAO (laughs) sorry (laughs) I did say Um, but um, for us we make our coffee and then we just do kind of we call it Thai cream which is half condensed milk and half milk because just pure condensed milk is way too sweet I think mm-hmm. um, and then we just do like iced coffee with um, this mixture of half condensed milk and and half milk and mm-hmm. that's sweet enough mm-hmm. and Thai tea I really have no idea what it you you know buy it from the company that sells Thai tea and it's kind of pink and it is probably the one thing at the restaurant that I sort of like, well, people expect Thai iced tea and I like Thai iced tea. I know it's probably full of, I don't know, red dye number two and stuff that you really don't want to eat, mm-hmm. but it's not something that you're going to wake up in the morning and drink every so day. So that's like so. your skim milk, your version of that's the thing my... that you have to have because people want it. Yeah. But you don't really are not that passionate Mm-mm. about it. Interesting. <laughs> well, let's bring it over to the audience. Indeed. Does anybody have any questions for Pim? And this is a great opportunity because it's just a lo- it's been an open chat, so it can be anything about you know the restaurant and coffee part. Would anybody like to ask a question? Thank you. It's always the part where you stand up and say, "Please, somebody raise your hand." Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Kiana, and I roast uh, for Equator Coffees, and I'm wondering if anybody has called your business a form of gentrification? Um, Every because day. It, yeah, because it's yes. in, it could be in some sort of neighborhood that may... It's Thai it's, food for yeah. white people. Yeah. So I'm just <laughs> wondering if people have said people. anything hurtful like that. 
even um, though it is because I mean for me that's it's you know it's you know you kind of have to bring bring sort of race into this thing because again people when they think of Thai food being authentic they think it has to be cheap, right? Mm -hmm. They think it has to be really, really kind of blow your head off spicy. And we do have spicy things, trust me. We'll blow your head off if you would like your head blown <laughs> off. Um, but not everything is. And, and we are sort of accused of being, and also like, you know, authenticity. Um, we have a restaurant that looks, you know, like made of really good sort of tables made of really good um, Elmwood from California, you know, we have nice, comfortable chairs, and we are accused of being inauthentic because we don't have Thai, old Thai movies on the, you know, on the wall, mm -hmm. or we don't have this, like, kind of, like, flashing light or neons, and we are gentrifying Thai cuisine, or we're not being authentic to it, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, you're just racist. Because <laughs> I know that that's like a big topic in coffee is people who do want to own their own business and maybe are not from here and they do like they have very good intentions just like everybody does but then somebody calls them out and says well you can't put that there because you're going to attract a certain type of customer or whatever and it's going to alienate certain types of people so thank you for yeah. thank you I think we've got time for one more question if uh have we got one more question? Thank you, Deaton. Hi, I'm uh, Deaton from uh, Take Flight Coffee Roasters in uh, Los Angeles. This sounds awesome. The restaurant uh, has got me intrigued and I definitely will visit for sure. It sounds awesome, so congrats. Um, maybe you could offer some help. Uh, chefs, if I paint with very broad strokes, I think, in my opinion, should not be allowed to buy coffee for their restaurants. <laughs> so congratulations on using Wrecking Ball. Um, they're great people. But I've always found they're hard, chefs are hard to sell coffee to because they seem to like what I would say roast forward coffees and that's not the coffee that I sell. So how do, we, how do I uh, help me sell to a restaurateur? Like how do we sell to a chef and approach a chef and get, them, get their heads thinking not about just the food but the end product which I see is coffee. I think what I see with problem with really doing good coffee in the restaurant, I think, I mean, to sort of like maybe defend my cohorts a little bit, I don't think it has to do so much with chefs. It again has to do with like this last mile of quality, right? You're, it's incredibly hard to train your servers to do coffee well. I, when we opened King Kao, um, I first of all said we're never going to put an espresso machine in the restaurant because, oh God, it could be such a horror of, you know, somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Um, so we actually for a while had the gold cup machine that does auto drip because I was like, okay, that's at least going to take away sort of this, I don't need to really train my server and there'll be good coffee that I can drink, but then it's a mismatch of like, well, people want their cappuccino after the meal or people come in for lunch and want espresso and we're like, well, we just have this really nice machine that makes drip coffee or pour over coffee that's delicious. 
And then that sort of like didn't really work out, so we ended up taking it out, also because it's enormous. You've seen those machines, right? And my restaurant is tiny, and we pay a lot of rent, so we kind of needed the real estate. So I gave up the coffee, and now you know we make like we make really good Thai iced coffee from Wrecking Ball Beans, and that's pretty much what we do. But I think it really has to do with training. I mean, if you approach a restaurant, it would probably be really helpful to help them figure out a way that they can serve coffee, assuming you know people who are serving in restaurants are not baristas, to be able to really do good coffee. And I mean, I'm planning a second restaurant, and we are we're, we are going to have a bigger space, and I am thinking about, I really want to do a good coffee service, and it's still that last piece of, but who's going to make it at the end of the day? That's really difficult because, I mean, in San Francisco, I can source good beans. I could, right, I could buy from Nick and Trish. I could buy from a lot of people that really roast really good beans. I can get them to kind of help me maintain the equipment. But at the, still, at the end of the day, I need all the servers to be able to pull a shot properly or do a proper pour over. It's hard. And you know things get really busy, and people are running around, and you know you're trying to drop desserts, and then you have to like, I need to worry about pulling the best coffee. I think maybe you should just offer to, I don't know, train or give them someone for Friday and Saturday night. It, you know, it might be. I'm I'm sort of half joking, but it might be business-wise, it might be worth it. Mm, right. Yeah. Where's the new restaurant going to be? And how will it in be In San Francisco. King <laughs> um, it's going to be in San Francisco. It will still be Thai food. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that we can't do super well at King Kao because of the limitation of our space is we can't have a lot of seafood on the menu mm. because it takes a lot of space to prep. It takes space to um, you know, refrigeration. Um, so we only have like maybe one fish and one seafood curry on the menu and then a whole, ro whole roasted fish and we want to do something with a little bit more um, seafood and fun well where can people follow you and keep up with you um i'm on pretty much every social media thing under shape him c-h-e-z-p-i-m that's sort of a relic from the back in those days that i used to be a blogger yeah, you're like a home barista that opened their own cafe. <laughs> that's like the and like the best cafe in the world. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, well, I think that's about it. Thanks so much for spending your time with us, Kim. Thank you. One more time, a round of applause. <laughs>